All right, welcome back to a bonus episode of the Blasters and Blades podcast. So, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, let me tell you what we're doing right now. We're getting ready to uh, release some of the archive that we found from when we were the sci-fi shenanigans. Uh, we're going to get those up there for, for the posts that were brought down. We thought you might enjoy them. Um, and so without further ado, let us uh, let us roll that beautiful... Oh, wait, they're going to sue me. Play it. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi fans. Time for your daily dose of insanity. Over here at the Sci-Fi Shenanigans Podcast with your hosts, Jair Handley and me, Chris Winder. Just two nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions. A place where the sky's the limit, space is the place, and nerds run the world. Without further ado. Oh, is it time to go? Dang it, Chris, you can't count. You're supposed to count from five backwards. You got to get them in order. This is how we know we're recording. I count by square roots. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the next episode of the Sci-Fi Shenanigans Podcast. Today, we are doing another book review, although this time it will be a novel by Red Rabbit Publishing titled Red Rabbit Presents Number One, Science Fiction for the People. Um, as I've mentioned before on my blog, um, and I think we've talked about it here, um, I'm publishing my own anthology in December um, on mil a military sci-fi anthology. So I've been studying the market, and um, this one had an author I recognized, Nick Cole, so we, I decided to give it a shot. And when Chris and I were looking for some episodes, we decided to do a book review. So here we are. Um, didn't hurt that this was a shorter anthology, which made our jobs a little bit easier. Uh, there are only oh, four yeah. stories in it, 85 pages. Uh, so we'll review each one individually. You know what they say, work smarter, not harder. Am I right? Am I right? That's, not the, that's an army thing, is it? It must be, because we're smart like that. But you didn't mention the safety belt. Oh, this is true. I did forget my um, red. Excuse me. What color are they? I'm colorblind. So you mess me up with colors. But yeah, I'm supposed to have my reflective safety belt. Red, green, whatever. Just don't hit the red button. You mean this button, Sarge? <laughs> anyway. are, you sure this is, are you sure this is a novel? Because you said novel. Technically, it's like an anthology. Four, it's yeah, 85 it's only pages. four stories, though. Well, if each story Christine, was why, if each story was 15K words 15,000 words there's four of them so 15 times four is four, 60 yeah, that's, so i mean that's technically a it's novel rank i mean at least by the hugo standards for like what 50,000 makes it a novel actually i think i think it's 40,000 they're wrong 40,000 it's a short story <laughs> or a novella <laughs> really long short story <laughs> yeah 40,000 is a brandon sanderson prequel <laughs> right it's chapter one <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get started with the actual stories, let's talk about the cover. So since I'm colorblind, I figured we can start with uh, with you, Chris. What are your thoughts on the cover for this anthology? Oh, it looks like someone ate four or five different sci-fi books and then just had an accident all over the page. It is so chaotic. I know what they're trying to do. I don't really like it, though. Um, All right. Do you think it's a color issue or is it a composition issue? What What is it you don't like? It looks like they had a lot of cool ideas and did them all at once. <laughs> we'll just like do all instance, the things. Right. If you take the last, I'd say, quarter of the bottom, that looks cool. Where they where they, where they have all the, the names of the authors. If you take the title by itself, that's pretty cool. Except they shot a rocket and a bunch of bullets through it. So it's kind of hard to see. The R in Red Rabbit is upside down. Somehow I didn't notice it first, but now that I do, it bothers me. And then the the right smack in the middle, it, it's all kind of this muddy brown color, except for, well, the, the rabbit and the word Red Rabbit. And then the ship in the middle is flying upside down, which it, I, I don't know if this is kind of a Top Gun reference. 
but it's it's just it's so busy. And the ironic thing is, none of the stories had a ship to ship fight like this. No. Now I I no. look at it and I have trouble actually reading the title. It just looks sort of like an amorphous blob. Now, admittedly, I am colorblind, and I could kind of see like in the middle. Uh, blackish area that I'm guessing is supposed to be space around whatever everything else is. So it's I actually can see blue. <laughs> the, uh, well, I can see the underside of the spaceship, but like when it's in thumbnail size, like I'm like, did they just put like a, you know how the classics, when they re-release them to the free domain or whatever, they'll put like this just standard stock cover. That's like the name, the book, and that's it. Like there's no real cover to it. Sometimes I prefer those compared to the really busy ones, so. Yeah, but that's what I thought this was at first. And so I literally uh, uh, saved it to the PC and saved the JPEG from, from Amazon and blew it up to try to figure it out. And only when I maxed out the um, the thing to 50% in that black blob that you said is actually technically blue could I see the bottom I guess it's the top if it's upside down. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I thought maybe it was just weirdly shaped, but only then could I see the um, the spaceship. And then when I zoom it back out, I'm like, oh, okay, now I see it. But I had to like, I mean, I spent some time studying this for this podcast. I don't know that it it translates as well. So, well, kudos for them for for putting this out and and for the stories that are in there. Some of them were were fantastic. Um, the only thing I would have done different had it been me. Of course, I'm I'm playing the uh, what do they call it? the quarterback on the couch or something like that. Yeah. The only thing I would have done is I would have looked at magazine covers, um, especially sci-fi magazine covers, and just try to get a feel of what they're doing. Like the last, the bottom quarter is something I could see on a magazine cover. Everything else, I don't think the design team would have would have put that together like that. But. Uh, Good on them for for publishing. It's it's got some cool stories. Yeah, yeah, it did. All right. So, how are we going to organize this rodeo? Well, we need to break it up into, I think, just keep it fair in, into the different and uh, d- different ways to judge it. So, for instance, um, we'll do a summary: what we thought the book was about. Um, just a quick synopsis: the short story. Uh, no, the short stories, right? For for each of the stories. Um, who the main characters are, if we can remember, if they were important enough. Hopefully, we thought the main characters were the ones that the author thought was the main character. <laughs> that would be awkward. And uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the plot, the general idea of the story, the story arc, whether it's action-packed, whether it's a fast story, slow story, what uh, what what maybe micro-subgenre it fits into. Uh, the world building, whether or not we felt like we could actually be there, what the world looks like. Um, whether we could taste, hear, smell, and, and what we kind of imagine, because you and I might have different takes on, I'm guessing, especially the last story. And the first one. Oh, and the first one. Okay. Uh, and the description. So, for instance, did the author give enough details for us to visualize? It, that'll kind of be answered in world world building, but we're talking about the characters and maybe some of the technology and... Uh, I don't know whether or not I draw any feelings because uh, dialogue and description do that or, or they're supposed to. And then our overall score. And I, I don't know. Do you want to do like a one to five star? Yeah, that's what I do. And so the the reference that we're using for this outline is the one that I use for my book reviews that I post on Facebook, uh, Goodreads and my blog, which is not original to me, to be honest. I stole um, some of it from MLS Weech, some of it from other Facebookers that do like book review blogs. Like I just went around all the, the uh, book, blue, blah, 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 book bloggers and I sort of saw what they were looking for. And I sort of organized that into that, what he just listed summary, character, plot, world building, description, narration, and then overall narration only applies if it was an audio book. Um, but yeah. that's sort of the template that we used. It is not an audio book yet, but it might be. So we, forgot to take that out. <clears throat> that was my fault. I do the show prep. But anyway, um, so this is something that that I sort of cobbled together from what a lot of smart people do. Um, and so I will list, and let me write that, uh, MLS Weech's blog. Um, I'll list that. He is an author of fantasy stuff. Um, but I'll list his blog. You can check it out. He's got lots of good um, lots of good book reviews that you know give you an idea of how it's supposed to be done right. And, uh, and then you can see what I do. And Chris is going to have some on his blog soon too. So 
Hey, did we mention the title? Yeah, it's did we? Oh no, we did not. Okay, oh, we didn't. So no, I did. I did in the intro. Red Rabbit presents number one science fiction for the people. That is the title. Okay, very good. So, and before before we get started, real quick, and we start with the first story, I have to say that if you guys um, don't live to listen to this, we are sorry because we do know the apocalypse is upon us. As much as I hate it, I am so sick right now. I am drinking hot tea, Whoa. and that is just sacrilegious. Tea is supposed to be drank one way: hot. Excuse me, iced, black, and full of sugar. It is the southern way. In Charleston, I've heard they call it table wine. Here, I just call it my water. Table wine. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true. I um, I did a tour of some of the what is it Fort Sumner once, and they were talking about that. But here, we just call it um, water of life. That's what we call our tea. <laughs> but anyway, so we drink coffee. Well, I drink coffee too. I can't get into yeah. iced coffee though. I kind of wish I could because iced coffee would be so perfect on a hot day, but nope, I drink it hot. No, we like our tea in the harbor. <laughs> in Boston. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on to the first story. All right. The first story is now I'm not sure how to pronounce this. General McKeel or General Michael. I'm but it's M I K E A L. But in this story, they call him, they refer to the general as Mike once in a while. So I'm guessing Mike, I guess Michael, it's just with, with a weird spelling. Yeah. Um, or maybe is it Russian spelling? Mishael? I don't know. It I am not a linguist. Be. Okay. So I'll, I'll do my interpretation of the plot and you tell me where you thought, it, where you think it's different. Okay. All right. Before you do that, give me just a second. I'm pulling it up. Um, let me, there we go. I'm going to read the summary, uh, as it's written in the, uh, oh. on the book description, if you don't mind. Go ahead. So this is what the, uh, the author or uh, the whatever wrote general Michael Michael is a living relic, a sentient robot allowed to survive the great AI purge 300 years ago. Rewarded for siding with mankind, the general now commands the sixth mechanized, a cadre of lethal machines. The sixth is on planet to break the back of a uprising. Interdimensional aliens have possessed a species, manipulating their tech for the war purposes. But there are dangerous surprises on the desert planet Yeruda. Ambushed by an overwhelming foe, the general has to accept the help of the one thing robots hate most, cyborgs. <laughs> All right, so that's what yeah, the author did, thought the book. I did pick was up on that. that a bit. What's that? I did pick up on the bit. Yeah, but but here's here was my really simple interpretation. Uh, former mining robot, sentient, tasked with fighting a war, um, and because he's a mining robot and he works in mines and I guess needs to survive partial cave-ins, he's tough. He's not loved by many, um, but the author went through a lot of effort to personify him. And I really liked that about the uh, about the character. I really liked the general. Let's, let's let's just call him General Mike because that's how some of the characters refer to him in the book. Okay, I can agree with that. So I actually, um, I wasn't as much of a fan. Like he just annoyed me. So like he, hmm. uh, on the one hand, they definitely they they definitely made the the um, him feel human. So it took me a second to realize that that he was not a human leading robots. Right. So I, I did like that. Right. I did like how they incorporated in like, like uh, non-traditional weapons for sci-fi. So the, the general carried a sword in addition to his pistols and his blasters, which I thought was kind of cool. And, and the way they did it in the story fit. Right. I, I, I thought it was cool because in a lot of, a lot of authors will make fun of swords in, in sci-fi saying, why would they go back to swords? Well, this author actually makes a really good argument for why why he carries this gigantic sword. So basically, he uses the sword, and this is in the first couple sentences. It's made from a, a rare mineral from just like the robot's outer shell from what was mined on Mars. Mm -hmm. And so he uses it so sort really of tough. right. So he uses it sort of like a lightning rod. So if someone's shooting him with like laser bolts and stuff he's able to use that to redirect it ground it into the ground so he doesn't overload and steal some of the power through it to keep processing himself so he doesn't drain his battery in a fight like basically every time you shoot him you're just making him stronger essentially yeah so i did like that and i think the summary um was pretty spot on basically it's a 
um, ancient robot that's still relevant because cost-cutting measures they made um, not as good because not you know combined with the purge they mentioned they were afraid to let robots get too smart. So I think that's the summary. It sounds like we're we're already moving on to character. Yeah. Um, besides General Mike, who was your favorite character, if any? Um. Exactly. <laughs> The generals that were with him, the human generals, like they were sort of described as very slothful and, you know, living off the government larded. Um, And it's just. uh, And fat. Fat. Yep. And he's talking about. And one was cool. Medical nanites, how hard. He said with medical nanites, how hard it was to get fat. Like you had to work at it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what a way to go though. Right. Eating all the good food. Right. (laughs) <laughs> going to diet for a week maybe you'll be better but yeah these guys never dieted no so I, I mean i didn't really like any of the other characters the one character that uh one of the female uh tech human maintenance techs that they prescribe uh described i can't remember her name they sort of you started to think okay this one has potential and then she went to full brown nosing territory and it's just like yeah yeah lost yeah me. She, she seemed tough she seemed like she might be uh, a good sidekick or possibly a second hero and then she just fell apart. It was kind of disappointing. All right, so we kind of talked about the plot. What about the world building? Do, could you could you see yourself in the fight or anything like that? For parts of it, yeah. So he spread the description of the story throughout. Um, and so with uh, with regard to the to the plot, so sometimes because he'd made that narrative choice, I was a little bit confused. There were sections for that story I had to reread several times to understand what was going on. Now, when he got to the grit of the action, like once I, I reread it four times to understand, okay, these are all robots, even Michael. Um, like I, I really did understand it more, but I shouldn't have to reread it several times to understand what's going on either. Right, right. What would you think about the tech? I'll, I'll tell you my my idea first. I I liked the the description of the cyborgs. How part of them were human, but but the guy basically basically got blown up, got his arms and legs blown off, and now he has these magnetic attachments that he can add things to or remove things from. I thought that was a cool idea because he can still move them around, even though they're they literally are just magnets with things attached to the end of them that kind of look like arms or legs or rifles, depending on what they are. What I didn't like is the cheesy uh, rocket boot legs that he had. See what I didn't like about that idea is if you're going to put something as heavy as a rifle, as your arm, like you have to be able to lift it to steady it. And so like you would have to address balance for that to really work. Mm. You would almost need a chassis that wraps around the body a la Robocop style. Even if the, the waist torso, whatever is legit good, he would still need something to support and distribute that weight. So that part I didn't really, like, I like the idea of there's a, like a, b-movie sort of 80s style road horror type thing where the girl has like a shotgun as a leg or whatever um it was oh i can't remember the name of it but like it, it struck me as i vaguely remember. yeah like it struck me as sort of like <laughs> that comical b-movie horror slasher kind of thing but this was kind of pulp fiction it wasn't was it? it was so i i liked the overall arc of the story but it as far as the plot like the ending was so abrupt. I didn't really feel like it ended so much with the plot as they just stopped writing. Yeah. Like, like the reach of the word count and said, Oh, I'm done. Yeah. I didn't like that. And you need to wrap this thing up really quick. I will, I will um, say that I didn't necessarily like how it was placed throughout the story. And I know I'm sounding negative, but I really love the other three stories. Um, I didn't really like how the world building was spaced. Like I felt like it was so backloaded that it was, it was hard to follow, but what was there was solid. Mm-mm. Honestly, I liked the story. There were a few small parts I, I didn't like, a few parts that kind of kind of threw me out of the story. And that's partly because I'm an author myself, so I know how to look for things. I know what to be critical of, like switching back between Imperial and Metric. That happened a couple times. So did the, uh, um, the tense. So they went from present tense to past tense to future tense a few times. Um, little things like that. But just examining the story as itself, I, I really liked it. It felt more like a start of a story than a full story. 
That it did, because like uh, the reference to these giant robots that the author calls Mexican spiders and this the Thanos excursion, and it kind of looked like looked like this was a setup, kind of a test to see if people would be interested. And if they are, I'll write the rest of these stories. It was kind of like kind of like watching a really long movie trailer for a bunch of different movies all at once. Yeah, uh, and it could be flushed out in a novel. Like it felt like it had four different story arcs, right? The the mystery yeah. robot on the planet, the Yeruda, the stuff that happened at Battle.net, the stuff that happened with War God, the original AI that it fought, yeah. and then the espionage element that was thrown in. So, I mean, like, yeah. I, I've, I'd read this novel. Yeah, I'd read this as a novel or a series because it's got so much going on. Yeah, that's true. It's got a lot of history that's jam-packed in there that probably didn't need to be there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, overall now let's, let's move on before we, we give our uh, final thoughts on this story. Um, what did you think of the description? Like, or like the pros, I guess. The pros was, it was rough, but if I worked hard at ignoring it, I could still enjoy the story, but I actually had to work at it. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was very clunky in places. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of passive voice. I'm not even of, talking about lot, that. Lot just the like sentence, that. like the sentence structure. Now, and, and full disclosure, just because it's not the way I would write it or what I would read, it doesn't mean it's bad. There are plenty of books out there that are well received and people love, and I just don't. So, I mean, it's it's yeah. all personal preference. And as you'll see at the yeah, end, yeah, and it's probably mostly due style. Yeah, and you'll see at the end um, that you know we get we still give despite all this. Like it sounds negative, but we do give high marks to the overall collection um mm-hmm. and for this story at least for me it felt like almost if i was going to write a synopsis or a proposal stuff for to submit a story like this is the novel i want to write I, I felt more like it that's what was going on than you know what i mean than an actual true yeah. novel but, but 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 i tell you the best part of this story was that i haven't seen anything quite like it before i mean they didn't invent robots the, the term's been around for a long time. They didn't invent sentient robots. That's been around for a long time. But the how they put it all together, I I really like I have that. never seen anybody use the sword in such a way where it's basically a lightning rod to disrupt like powered phase weapons type deal. I thought that was very creative. And yeah. it made it like, okay, of course he has a sword. Like I, I never, once he did that, I right. didn't question the existence of a sword. <laughs> Normally, if you've got a sword a la Jedi, you know, lightsaber, like I'm like, yeah, okay, try again. But this one, it like, no, I, I was totally yeah. willing to suspend disbelief and go with it. Yep. It, it, it felt natural. It felt, ah, of course. Why didn't right. I think of that? So overall <laughs> for this story, what do you think? I would give this a solid three out of five. That's about where I was. So if we're talking about the way the story was written, organization and all that, not a fan. If we're talking about the overall story itself, if you just take out how it was presented, I absolutely love this. I think like I'd buy this series in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So I'd at least buy the first one for sure. Yeah. I feel like this was sold me on a series that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. But as a standalone, not so much. (laughs) Right. All right. Well, we are at the 20-minute mark, and I don't know how long we're going to take to do all of these. So let's take a moment right now to pause for a word from our sponsor. Hey, listeners. Josh Hayes here, co-host of Keystroke Medium. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Sci-Fi Shenanigans. I tell you, we're really excited about what JR and Chris are doing with the podcast and are proud to feature them as part of our podcast partner network. When you get done listening to this episode, I'd like to invite you to come check out our own podcast at keystrokemedium.com. You can find all our previous episodes and check out all the amazing authors we've had on the show. If you're free on Mondays, mark your calendars for 11 a.m. Come hang out with us as we talk to today's leading science fiction and fantasy authors and other industry professionals. We've got a great live audience who get into a lot of shenanigans of their own, as JR and Chris can attest. That's every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, live on Keystroke Media. We're going to talk about some reading, we're going to talk about some writing, and of course, everything in between. And now I'll let you get back to some more shenanigans with JR and Chris. Have a great day. 
All right. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us. We are still reviewing the Red Rabbit Presents number one, Real Science Fiction for the People Anthology. We just got done talking about General Michael by A.K. Meeks. And now we're going to talk about the second story, Pest Control by Rhodes Brazos. The summary for this story is, millennia from now, the last member of our meddlesome species seeks atonement. As deft as a surgeon, relentless, purging the vermin, he's grown used to the task. After so many years, he moves through this, his job with ease. Today might just be another work day, but the galaxy is a big place and there's no telling what's in it. That was a, hmm. it felt a little clunky reading it, the the summary, but, but I do agree with it and it, it does pique the interest. I think this summary was horrible compared to the actual story. Absolutely. I didn't, I don't think it did it justice. No. And, and let's face it, every author, if you talk to them, says writing your, your blurb is the hard part. I tell you, this, this, I think you'd agree, is the funniest story of the bunch. Yes, I laughed. So there were a couple quips. Um, so in the summary, basically, um, you know, that, that says it all. Basically, it's, you know, you meet this ship's captain and he seems like an alien. Um, and we're not giving you a way that he's human, even though he seems alien because that's in the description. But so he's, his job is at the, every Stargate, they have somebody inspecting the ships to make sure you don't transfer pests and disease and stuff between star systems as sort of like, um, quarantine. Right. And his job is to go like the agriculture checkpoints going into California. Um, we're talking about America here, sir. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Too easy. Too easy. And I didn't even mention the straws. All right. Jokes aside, jokes aside. The um so basically that's his job. And that's where we we meet the character. I like how he gave us description along the way, but he sort of jumped us, dropped us in. So, you know, the summary, I think I think that was it. So what about the character? Did you like the main character? I loved the main character. I loved how how he described I, there was another alien who's like, um, ask him how old he was, and and oh, I'm pretty old. Oh, you can be more than thirty cycles around the sun old. Ha ha ha. They joke. And uh, what are you anyways? Oh, I'm human. What's a human? Oh, you know, we're the guys who invented twerking, uh, reality TV shows. Oh, you're them. Oh, so, yeah, I know. How could you do that? And <laughs> the guy's like, wait, it's worse. We also invented the cheeseburger. Yeah. Well, that's delicious. <laughs> it is, but no, I mean, it's just that kind of dialogue. Like I was laughing, like it, it was, it, it was funny. So the main character's name is Joff, G E O F F Jeff, I think would be how you pronounce it, but it Jeff, looks like yeah. Joff. Um, so it's <laughs> sorry um, to all the Jeffs out there. You can send your hate mail to JR at, <laughs> but so we, you know, I, I, I think the character, I liked him. He was personable. I liked the people he interacted with. Like you don't necessarily get names for all of the, all, All the, the customers, the species he hunts and whatnot. And um, it just sort of sets the scene. And I, I did like that. I felt very connected because he was really the only one we focused on. You did kind of, well, I would argue the secondary char- uh, characters would be like the nano swarms that he uses to clean things. Cause they're almost like his family. They're almost like, like eager little pets. Yes. You know, like, like a, a swarm with hundreds and hundreds of, eager little pets willing to do his bidding bidding and happy to do so and vicious vicious because you know pest control you can't ask pet uh, pests to go away you must kill them i think another thing that really sticks out is is a ship comes in and they've had one of their one of their younglings basically killed and he says oh you know i'm really sorry about your loss uh you know what did you do with the body and the alien says I ate it. <laughs> and then, of course, because he checks his database of all the characters so he can respond appropriately, like a true diplomat, it's like, oh, of course, as, as you would. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because that was the other, as fair was natural. The other um, <laughs> overarching theme was one thing uh, humanity gave to the galaxy was a love of data. Yep, love of data. But nobody loves tech as much as humans. Now, there's a couple spots in this story that, that trip me up, though. Is he the last human? We can't answer that question without spoilers. Okay. Talk to me after we stop recording. Okay, because the end of the story confuses me as well. I hate how it ended. I don't understand it. Um, the beginning, the middle, 
near the end was all awesome. It's just a very end of the story that really tripped me up. I, I, I have no idea what happens. So, so that kind of felt like it was just shut down as well. Read the comment in the chat, but don't say anything. Tell me when you've read it. I know this is cryptic, dear listener, and I'm sorry, but if I, if I told you oh. what I tell him, like it would seriously ruin the story. So we're trying to keep it spoiler free, but, but if I'm right and that's what that is, does the story make sense? I, you know, yeah, I guess it does. Dang. I wish we would have made that more clear though. But, but yeah, it, that really does. It really does make sense. So, okay. It was that or option two, but either way, if you took it those ways, like I did, like it, it still made sense to me, but you're right. Okay. You're right. Um, we both read this late. Like we, we basically, we were going to record this podcast. Um, and Friday night we're like, holy crap, we haven't read this anthology yet. And we're supposed to be recording it tomorrow. So we both read it late <laughs> at night. So in full disclosure, you know, maybe that colors some things. <laughs> But I still love this story. I did. I really like this one. This is another one. I would say this would could make a good book, but I just don't see like he wrapped it up so neatly for me. I don't see where he would go with it. This, if you were going to do a book, this would be this would be like the first four chapters, and then things would just have to get worse. But I don't see how it could get worse, given given what I think happened. So yeah. uh, to me, this this is a short story that literally stole uh, stood alone. Like the only way this becomes more is if he changes the ending. Exactly. He'd have to do that. So what about world building? So we gave an overall of the plot. Um, do you think he executed the plot well? If I take off the ending, which was ambiguous, I think I, I loved the plot. It was straightforward. It was simple writing. I like and that. Therefore, simple to read. Yeah, it was. He wasn't trying to be um, Hemingway. He, he was just trying to write a story, and I think he, he succeeded. So when I read the story, just so you can – I'm not going to tell you what I told Chris in, in chat, but when I read the story, I figured it was one of two things, and it was a little bit ambiguous on which one of the endings was the case. But I like both of them, so you know, I sort of rolled with it. But, um, mm -hmm. but I, did, I did like the plot. I think, I think it was executed well. What about the world building? How did you like that, like how he created that world? I – I could see it except for I wasn't sure if Earth was still there. It kind of sounded like Earth got blown up. Um like like they got tired of our crap and finally exterminated us. You must have missed it. He actually specifies that uh they did exterminate us. They didn't destroy the whole planet. They just basically made it unlivable. Oh, okay. Um they actually were explicit in that. So you, you must have missed it cuz it was sandwiched between the witty dialogue. So if you were if you yeah. were laughing as hard as laughing. I was with tears in your eyes, then you, you might have glossed over it. So <laughs> Works yeah, for me. I, I like the world building. I, I I could picture everything. Like he didn't go I mean it's a short story, so he's not exactly telling you what every ship looks like, but you have enough to know. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't feel like I needed to know. No, no, I felt because like I was I had so enough. focused on the character. And I was waiting for the next funny thing to happen, and then it happened, and then I laughed and I was satisfied. Yeah, I looked at – I mean, I would read more by this author if he wrote more sci-fi-ish stuff. Like, that's not all he writes, but Rhodes – I'm assuming Rhodes is a guy. But, um, like, I would I would read more by this author. Heck, yeah, I would. So what about the description? How did you like that? I think there was just enough description to get the job done, and then it got funny again. And I don't feel like I missed anything in the description. So what, I think it was light, but it was light. It, it was it was heavy enough. Yeah. So when I read the description, I sort of pictured like normally they tell authors you don't want to write a scene such that it's just a bunch of floating heads and you don't know what the world is going, what's going on in the world around them. And for a novel, that's absolutely true. For this one, I kind of felt like the backdrop was sort of a fuzzy gray of a generic spaceship, and then all you focused mm -hmm. on in the bright, brilliant, you know, Technicolor. See, I'm showing my age with Technicolor, but uh, you know, all you focused on is the characters. But that was, it was intentional, and I liked it. I think it was. I loved it. Uh, I would say for Meeks or Meek, good find on this guy. Wow. So, uh, yep. what about the description? Um, so you were satisfied. I was satisfied with the description. Yeah. So was I. So overall, what are your what are your thoughts? Only the ending ruins a five out of five for me. Otherwise, it's a four out of five. Um, I was five out of five on this one. Okay. I really liked it. But then, you know, given that I told you what I thought the ending was, um, 
you know, because I had, I felt like I had an ending, it, it made all the difference for me. And so, yeah. Had I picked up on one of those, either one, and just decided that that's what the author meant right away, it would have been a five out of five. It, it was, it was just a little ambiguous for me. Okay. All right. So the next story we're going to move on to is um, Imagine All the Insects is the title by S.H. Mansouri. Sorry if we butchered your name. And so the summary from the um, blurb, uh, Space Marine Eric Sanders wants nothing more than to rock out on Mars with his Gibson in peace and make a few friends along the way. But with his fellow Marines hell-bent on wiping out anything that treads on four legs, Eric must choose between the sound of heavy metal or plasma rounds ripping through his new friends. Hmm. I felt like that did it justice. I mean, I, I don't really have anything to add to that one. Yeah, that was pretty much the gist of the story. I, I think it, it opened it up to a nice uh, nice question, like, what's he going to do about it? Yeah, um, basically it was like a space hippie and the space marines. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, yeah, as a matter of fact, I was, was imagining a hippie man. kind of guy. <laughs> Whoa, dude, don't, don't do that, man. No, we got to <laughs> have peace, man. Oh, uh, yeah. In the brief. Yeah. Just until they send him into the battle without a gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so we've got the summary. We, we agree that this, that was pretty much it. So we don't need to belabor the point. What about the character? Eric Sanders. I, I didn't connect with him. Not at all. I connected with his little pet. Me too. I was going to say that. Like I didn't. The space hippie thing didn't do it for me. Not because he wasn't well written, but because I grew up in the Cold War, you know, where it was the only good commie was a dead commie, you know, hippie joke. Yep, doing right, doing nuclear bomb drills. I, I wasn't quite old enough to do like the nuclear bomb drills, but like I, I remember, oh, I, did I remember growing up like as a kid in the Cold War, where where you know, dad was in the service, and so like I don't know, it just maybe it's too soon. <laughs> I don't know that kids younger than our kids, you know, the younger, the younger crowd, God, I, we sound old, but like, I don't know that the younger crowd would, hmm. would catch some of that nuance that, that sort of tripped me up. And overall, the character wasn't badly written and everything he did was internally consistent with him. I just don't generally connect yeah. to a hippie. Yeah. What I, about the, I, uh, I, the, I couldn't connect. What about the, the, the friends, the bugs? Only the bug that was in his bag. The, I called it Jiminy, like after Jiminy Cricket. Jimmy, I wanted one. Me too. That's how much I I connected with that one. The rest, the rest were kind of scary and mysterious. And I didn't take them as scary. Definitely mysterious. Yeah. Well, for me, they were scary, mysterious, and and really creepy. Like like I I hope he does something a what they call a save the cat moment. Get me to invest in the rest of these bugs, not just the one that he carries around in his backpack. But I, I don't feel like it ever happened. Okay. So for me, like, um, they had, they reminded me too much of the bugs from Starship Troopers, and those were definitely not intended to be warm and cuddly. But Jiminy, I liked. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely feel like this one opened itself up to be a novel, a series, whatever. Like, I, I do. Um, so we, we talked about Eric Sanders. Neither one of us was really a fan, couldn't relate. Jiminy, we liked. Uh, so what about the plot? Did you like the overall arc of the story? I like how unique it was. I, I feel like, I feel like the author was a little heavy-handed on the preachiness, though. Talking about, I, I felt like it was it was more of a sermon on misunderstanding about accepting other people's culture, about working together. So, like the the whole personality of the main character, kind of just put a big layer onto the story. Yeah. It wasn't action packed either, but it definitely was easy to follow. Uh, it didn't really lag anywhere. Um, so that, that much about the plot, you know, I think we can agree that that was well done. Um, yep. It was structured. Well, every time I see it was just a, a the content, you know, I had a hard time understanding with. aliens and all cultures are equal, not when they're trying to eat us. So yeah. having said that, um, I, I'm telling you, we've got to get, um, there's a YouTube channel I like, and I share a lot of their videos where it's uh, called Generation Tech, and they do a bunch. They break down a lot of um, sci-fi stuff, like a lot of Star Wars. They're huge Star Wars nerds, 
uh, more the original than the new, but you know, they break it down. And one of the things is a gimmick they do that they also you have t-shirts to fund themselves is uh, hashtag humanity first death to the aliens. Like I was reading <laughs> that wishing I had that shirt so I could be like, take that bugs. <laughs> so I, I wow. definitely, I definitely, even Jiminy, Jiminy more felt like a pet than, than, than a bug. Okay. I was going to say you're cruel if you don't like Jiminy. So no, I not Jiminy, but the rest of them, the big one. Yeah, especially the the leader who walks on two legs. Yes, and I was like, "Oh, please don't yeah, have a brain scary. bug. Please don't have a brain bug." <laughs> <laughs> so, what about the world building? I didn't really connect. So, I, I I had to read some paragraphs two or three times to try to put myself in the scene. So, I thought it was pretty well fleshed out. I like how he described the habitation on Mars because it, it isn't. Um, it hasn't been terraformed, right? So it's like these domes that are connected by tunnels, and it very. It, he basically described it as like a gerbil cage that you're living in. And he even he even yeah, hits that on the nose when he's like, "I wish I had one of those little balls the gerbils run in, so I could at least get some exercise." So I mean, I definitely <laughs> could envision it. Um. So I didn't have a problem with the world building. It was the only thing I didn't really like was the main character, but the world building I bought. It was enough. Okay. What about the description? Did they uh, give you the details so you could visualize it? I felt like I had to read it really slow in order to get enough description, and I'm still not sure the picture I had in my mind is what the author intended. See, I thought the description was spot on. I give, I mean, if we're rating it individually, I give the description five out of five. Okay. So, yeah. what about the. For me, it, would, it was like a two out of five for the description. Okay. So, overall, what are your thoughts? A solid two out of five. Wow. You're wrong, sir. Yeah. Wrong. How dare you? How dare you? How absolutely dare you? That was a four out of five for me. I loved it. Like, I didn't like wow, the main okay. character, but I didn't necessarily know that I was supposed to like him. <laughs> I like the story. I like Jiminy. I, yeah, I was hoping to see more Jiminy, but he just... Well, you did. In the end, you see him off scene. He saves the bacon. Yeah. But... You think the bugs eat bacon? Mm, mm. Bacon. I wonder if they think people taste like bacon. Ooh, good question. <laughs> And is there a brain bug? <laughs> so overall, I give it a four out of five, and, and you're wrong, and give it a two out of five. Okay. So what was the what was the last story in this uh, in this shindig? The last story has a silly title, but it's not a silly story. The title is Conan the Cybarbarian by Nick Cole. Now, I tell you, so, when I, I, I'll read the summary real quick from, yeah, from the blurb. So R.E. Howard's most famous character comes to life in this future horror reimagining of the legendary Conan the Barbarian, a runaway Reaper model cyborg fleeing the tech sorcerers of a world gone mad, enters the post-apocalyptic kingdoms of a man's last age. Considering a barbarian, considered a barbarian, blah, 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 speak much? Considered a barbarian and an outsider, the cyborg soon finds himself caught up in the intrigues and cabals of the eerie familiar world where men, mutant monsters, and tech magic slay and plot for power, gold, and salvage. But first, the machine must survive the wilds of no man's land and find a name instead of an alphanumeric identifier. The Terminator meets Conan the Barbarian in this sword and cyber sorcery epic only one man could have imagined long ago. John, John, John. So, do you agree with the summary? I do. I didn't read the summary before I read the story. I just jumped right in the story. And I tell you, at first, it was rough because I know Nicole. I know I've read several of his books. I know the types of stories he writes. I was not expecting this. So, once I was able to let go and say, let's just read the story for what it is, try to pretend like you don't know Nicole wrote this. Then I got it. Okay. So some of the stuff in the blurb, like the Reaper model cyborg, like they mentioned that he's a cyborg at the end and he gets the alpha numeric. Like I like that, how that became Conan, like the way he did it. Yep. Um, so it was chassis zero um, number four nanoborg. So that spells out Conan as an acronym. Um, so I like that. Mm. So some of what he was talking about tech sorcerers, like that stuff was mentioned, but I got the impression a lot of that was already gone from the world. And this was just picking up the pieces. So some of that, I, I definitely think the world would need to be more flushed out for me to buy all of it. But generally speaking, the I didn't read that first either. I actually only found that one, the blurbs when I started writing the reviews. Okay. Um, but I would say that 
I mean, other than the the sorcery being from a dead age and not around anymore, I agree with the summary. Yeah, I don't really even see it as sorcery, though. Well, I mean, if you if you're from the third world esque, like I don't know, okay, not third world, maybe if you come to Plymouth Rock with a machine gun, would that not seem like sorcery? Yes, yes, definitely would. So that's where I took the sorcery aspect. Mm-hmm. Is, is there explanation of science? I, I don't know about the setting, but it kind of seemed to me to be, what is that video game, that vault video game? Fallout? Yeah, kind of kind of Fallout-ish, where, where humanity's gone, bad things have happened. He, he goes into a little bit of detail why, but then draws it right back to the present of the story. And boy, I really thought that worked. I did too. I really do. So we've talked about the summary. Uh, what about the character? Did you like the two main characters? Did you catch that there were two? I did. The old man and the who was, I felt like he was maybe hiding off to one side. Wasn't sure what he was seeing. He was just kind of observing. And then the uh, the cyborg himself. Um. I had to read probably the first four paragraphs a few times and then read forward in the story and then go back and read it again to really understand what was going on. The setup was a little rough, but once I understood what was going on, um, the story just flowed. It was creepy, but it flowed. So old man, uh, old Danwards, and then the cyberbarian Conan, um, which isn't really his name so much as it's his designation. Um, I thought Cybarbarian right. was a little weird. I get what he was doing with it, but you know, other than that, yeah, yeah I, I definitely I think it was a little nickel trick. <laughs> yeah, so I I like the character. Like I related. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of character development in that it was mostly action. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like that's a pulp style story, Conan, and he didn't really. He was kind of a stagnant character, but that was part of the the fun. It, it wasn't a series so much; it was a serial, right? And with serials, you you don't get a lot of character growth because you're supposed to be able to start at any one point and and just read that story and it makes sense right so i don't necessarily find the lack of characterization necessarily problematic given that you know i knew with the side uh with the barbarian conan the barbarian in the title i knew what i was getting you know i like it um i could see this as an intro to a series that's kind of how i I took it it too like it's definitely room yeah, I, I think I think if he's interested and he's listening, I think I think he should continue this story. Maybe he has. I don't know. I want to see what happens. Me too. Me too. So I don't know if he he's written more of this. We'll have to ask him. So um, for yeah. for the plot, like I, I definitely this was very action packed. It was it was for me. It was easy to follow. You not so much. Um, it didn't really lag for me, and there weren't really any parts I didn't buy. Yeah, it, it lagged for me at first. It it was confusing at first, but then I realized this story is a lot like um, uh, the Arcade Principle by Maxwell Rudolph. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Where it's a weird, futuristic, dystopian world, and then once I understood, and I started picking up on the on the little breadcrumbs that he dropped, like oh, th- most of the story actually happens in a ruined mall. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm imagining just fields of sand all the way around it and dust. Well, and, it was, it was the lead everywhere. up. Like it was, it was a desert, you know, wasteland, whatever. And as he's running, you know, he gr- runs over a ruined parking lot, you know, past a ruined high rise, like an overpass and mm-hmm. into a mall. Oh, so okay. my take was, this was sort of like a Vegas kind of like fallout new Vegas kind of deal, but more run down. Yeah, it was, I, Boy, talking about the world building, I, I got the, the whole overall picture, I think. Or if I didn't, I got it wrong enough that I got it right in my head. Right. So I actually thought the plot was action-packed. I, I bought it. There wasn't anything I didn't like. Mm-hmm. So what about the world building? So I thought it was pretty well fleshed out. Like I, There wasn't anything I couldn't envision. But it sounds like you had some trouble. I did it first. <laughs> um, and heck, maybe I still do. Maybe I still don't understand the world exactly. But I don't feel like I missed out on anything. So even if I didn't get it right, I still loved the story. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. So what about description? Was there anything you couldn't visualize? 
there was nothing that tripped me up, nothing that made me thought that, uh, gee, you know, this, this kind of annoys me because I can't imagine what this thing is is supposed to look like or sound like or smell like. Uh, I think there was enough description, enough clues that I could fill in the gaps. Maybe I filled them in wrong, <laughs> but but I did fill them in, so I was able to continue. Uh, the mutant beasts that were chasing him, that mm-hmm. were like half ape and half wolf kind of thing, that was a little yeah. bit rough. But I mean, I just sort of went with it. Monster insert scary, you know, descriptor or whatever. Like, but I don't. I, I think if you're going to make a novel, you need to flush that out more. Yeah, a lot of the description came later on, like even in the last page or two of what the of what the what do they call them ape dogs, gorilla dogs. Yeah, I think he called them ape dogs. Yeah, of, of what they look like, and I did catch catch on that saying, "Oh, right, they've got this thing," and the picture in my mind changed, but. I was almost done with the story and it didn't throw me out. So I, I was okay with that. But yeah, if it's going to be a novel, it, it needs to be a little bit more front loaded. I need to understand what he's but I up think, against. I think, you know, I did not like the, the rear loading of the description or the whatever with, with general Michael with this one, it, it served to create the tension and pace the story. So it made sense in the way it was executed here. I, I didn't have any problem with it. Yeah. But you're right. It was true. later, but as far it's as if it was gonna going to be a going. Yeah, if it was going to be a novel, it would definitely need to be be more. They would need more. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that is a difference between between the the medium of short story and you know in a novel. So, what about overall? What are your thoughts? Overall, I would say four out of five. You're wrong. You're a heathen, I'm and you're wrong. Crossing my fingers that this actually at least turns into a novel, hopefully a series. Okay, I I do agree with you on the novel and the series, but for me this was this was five out of five. I liked it. <laughs> uh, it was it was uh, the world building, like we said, was a little cryptic at times. So you know, overall, I really did love it. It was a tad literary. I think when we were doing the show prep, we both talked about that in, in the setup. But that's just Nick. Like if you're reading his stuff, you accept that to a point. Um, but it was definitely a neat twist for me on an old tale that you know came before my time. Right. I, I wanted to see how he was going to wrap this whole thing up and actually have something to do with the title. And then once he did it, I was like, oh, that's clever. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And then the other thing is, is I, I did like that ending, but it did instead of it, it ended it by instead of just having the cave in at the end. So like pest control, like the ending was a cave in and you're just trapped inside and it's done. This ending was like him walking through a door and closing it behind him. You want to know what's on the other side of that door. Right. Both and he introduces himself. Yeah. He, he introduces himself to a couple just just one-off characters who just accept him for, for how he is. And they they just kind of ride off into the sunset. But there's something on the other side of that sunset that I'm curious about. Yes. So overall for this anthology, what are your thoughts? How would you rank it on a scale of one to five? I would rank this a four out of five. Agreed. Just for the the first, third, and fourth stories. See, for me, it was the second, third, and fourth stories that gave it the four out of five. Which, mm-hmm. I, which is what I when when we talked about, you know, the, you know, we didn't like this story, but we're still giving it a high review. So, um, three out of four ain't bad. For for the the dollar ninety nine you paid for the story for you know for eighty five pages, um, and that's normal for an anthology. Anthology, if you like seventy five percent of them, you're doing good, right? Oh yeah. Um, and you got exposed to new things that you might not have found otherwise from the world from multiple yep. perspectives. Um, and so I, I really am confident you'll like more sc- stories than you skip. Hence our recommendation four out of five. Um, so we did try to go spoiler free. So if we ruined it for anybody, I am sorry. Um, and it's all GR's fault. Yes, and send the hate mail to Chris at. Um, <laughs> and and I have had so we're going to address this real quick. So I have had commented that I we tend to review things that we give higher higher ratings to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and that is true, but it's intentional. So I I choose stories uh, of ones that you know because we can sample it now. If it's not a good story, I just put it down and you know I don't talk about it. There's no reason to bash it. It wasn't for me. Move on, right? And then I also right. intentionally will read authors who are either new or or are established classics because you know you want to learn from people that are doing it right. 
So, you know, for me, like I, if it's not good, I just, I just move on. So, mm-hmm. and this was one of those ones where, you know, I don't regret spending the dollar 99 to, to like three out of the, out of the four. And the, the yep. ironic thing is, is to show you, you know, how, um, situational my review of the first one and your review of, you know, the last one is, is we liked different ones. Mm-hmm. And for different reasons, for different reasons. So I, I don't want you to take that, that number one, not being for me means it's bad. And if mm, you, I liked it. if you want to, has no taste. <laughs> and, and I would say the exact opposite, but so if you read this story and you're like, no, you are, to- if you read this story, if you read the story and you, and you listen to this and you're like, you guys are insane. This is the best story. When we post this on our sci-fi shenanigans, Facebook group, leave a comment, start a discussion. Yep. And if you are Tell us why Jared's wrong or, or why Chris is wrong. And if you like this <laughs> enough, if you like this enough, um, we can always see if we can do a round, round table and get all four of the, the authors in question on, and we, we can talk about it. Um, so if that's <laughs> something you'd be interested in too, we can do it. I mean, um, it would be a logistical nightmare, but for you, dear listeners, we would. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So besides the anthology, what are you reading in the genre of science fiction? Um, I'm still, so I had, had to crank that one out. So I'm still reading uh, Max Rage by Jake Bible. Max Rage. Yep, it is a funny, not for kids, um, story where it's everything is over the top. Lots of steroids, lots of uh, adult attention, lots of aliens getting getting blown up, and oh by the way, when they blow up, they turn into goo, and oh by the way, it just ruined the very last Metallica T-shirt ever created because it's futuristic. Okay. So, so I just that's a little funny puns. I just finished obviously this, um, and I finished We Happy Few um, by Edward D. Hudson, and I just posted my review of that. Um, and then today, well, yesterday, since I've been sick, and I haven't been able to, you know, well, I've been sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just uh, just got into uh, Team Yankee by Harold Coyle. Uh, it's a mixed bag on that one. It's basically World War Three, but it's sort of set during the Cold War, so some of it is dated uh, and, um, and didn't age as well tech-wise. But then some of it with this um, posturing by some in politics where everything's blame Russia, I mean, we might be going back there, so who knows. Um, but, oh, I feel disappointed in some respects. So Audible did a exclusive where they did a new and improved whatever Um version of it where they re-released it and i'm like okay maybe there's expanding the battle scenes or or maybe it's just a new forward whatever but they hired a company and i won't say the name because i do not want to get sued but well you know what no it's casemate press and when they transcribed it to make the e-format because this came out in the late 80s early 90s Mm -hmm. um and so the ebook is oh my god horrific and so the narrator because i was listening to it i mean he's a good narrator i'd listen to more books by him not this one I asked for a refund. It was so bad. And it was, like you said, it wasn't the narrator. It was, it was the way they did it. Like, so I thought, well, you know, it felt like paragraphs were running together and I'm like, this could just be me. Maybe it's cause I'm reading on my phone. My Kindle died. So I pulled it up on, on, I borrowed a Kindle from a friend. Um, and, and I did it that way. Nope. The paragraphs were still the same. And so I checked it out with a hardcover I had. Um, I can't, I've mentioned with my head injury, like I need to be able to magnify. So I can't read paperback books anymore. Um, yeah. even the, um, the large print for the old folks isn't quite large enough for me. Um, but I, you know, I can tolerate it in short doses. And so I pulled up my hardback cover that I had. Cause like I said, I love this. I loved Harold Coyle as a kid. I, I bought, like, I would literally mow yards just so I could buy his books as a kid. Hmm. Like that's what I did with it. And so, especially his civil war stuff and his historic fiction. And so when I pulled up the, you know, I knew about what chapter I was on and I pulled it up and it's like, they merged paragraphs together. Entire paragraphs were missing. Some of it was like, it was a transcription error gone bad. So instead of like thong, or excuse me, instead of thing, Tango Hotel, India, November golf thing, they had thong, like the underwear. Wow. Um, instead of down, like you're going down the stairs, it was the word clown, where if you read it out loud, I'm like, oh, okay, I know what they're saying. But you shouldn't have to do that. Right. So, oh, I felt disappointed. I, I was, oh. And the book itself is was a great story, you know? 
Yeah. I, mean, I love that one as a kid. That's why I bought it when I saw it on sale on Amazon. I mean, on Audible, but oh, yeah, it was rough. You get that with some of the classics when they when they upload the old ones. If they don't, especially in the early days of of Kindle, uh, nowadays a lot of the times they're not doing it that way. So I don't know how this one got missed. Yeah, I don't know. And there are a whole bunch of reviews saying the exact same thing. Uh, I didn't read them before I bought it because I was like, well, I don't need to read the reviews on this. I already read the book. I know it's good. Should have read the reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so. Bummer. Anyway, so uh, finally, in conclusion, we like to talk about the science that makes science fiction fun. So are there any new scientific breakthroughs you are following or excited by? Yeah, scientists are telling senators that we need to keep looking for aliens. This is what I've been saying all along. So in summary, four scientists made the case on August 1st, 2018, to continue funding the quest to find intelligent life in the galaxy. Uh, they made this impassioned plea to a panel of senators that Congress should continue to fund NASA's search for life beyond Earth. Um, I agree with their their earnestness, but I'm not convinced that the government will will be the 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 source of it. Um, and I think it's going to end up being private enterprise that does these searches. I think it's going to be the millionaires and the billionaires of the world wanting to be the first to discover aliens, and it's either going to be Bezos or uh, oh, what's that other guy? Your boyfriend Musk? Oh, Musk, right? Yeah, that guy. No, nobody remembers his name. Boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually started an interesting discussion. So my one of our editors that edited one of our projects together, Lauren Moore, and uh, oh, I'm going to make her a show note now. Curse you. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that we had posted was that um, in the Sci-Fi Shenanigans um, Facebook group was an article that I stole from Yuda. Um, Hudhanja were, were Yuda. Yeah, don't even try. It's Yuda. Um, we've interviewed him. And let me leave a show note for that interview. Fultron. You jerk. <laughs> All right. So we've interviewed Yuda. Um, and so he's he's really into the science. Like that's what he does for a living, the data analysis and stuff. And so he was shared an article about basically China has got some tech that we don't have a counter for right now. And Lauren had asked if this mm, is true yeah. because, you know, with the slant the media has, you know, there's never really any media anymore that walks the middle. They all far left or far right, but nowhere in between. And so we were talking about that and he was mentioning how a lot of their science is so advanced. So, you know, and, and stuff that we're not really even doing anymore. Uh, it's it, the one good thing you can say about centralization with their sort of quasi communist state um, is they're sort of pushing everything forward. Now, obviously, when they control the media, they control the narrative. But it's just going to be interesting. So maybe it's going to be China that pushes us to the stars and plants that uh, hammer and sickle on the moon or something. It could be because they've got a heck of a lot more funding than any of our private corporations do. Because if you invent something in China, the government owns it. And if you invent something in anywhere else, China can take it and then the government owns it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. With, with corporate espionage and, and you know what do they call that? To take it. What do they call it when they like uh, reverse engineering? There we go. So I don't know. It's going to be yeah. interesting. It's an interesting time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. They, that's a word I would use. Totally. So I actually. Right, so what's your sign? I found an article. The article title is "Interstellar Travel Requires a Long-Term Approach, and Humans Are Too Impatient." Tying back into what you said. What's your article? So I think the title pretty much says it all. Our biggest hurdle uh, to seeding the stars with our spawn is our inability to collectively plan for a brighter future. Um, but we've seen what happens with collective planning. As a veteran, I can tell you the VA sucks. It's mismanaged. Mm -hmm. They had you know sick patients with lung conditions in rooms with black mold in it. That was wow. central planning. That was at Walter Reed. So I'm not um, – I don't know. I mean, it's it's a dual-edged sword. So from the article, it'll take several decades of sustained, focused, and coordinated uh, and costly work to pull off a project such as Breakthrough Starshot, which plans to blast fleets of sail-equipped robotic nanocraft towards potentially life-supporting exoplanets at tremendous speeds using powerful Earth lasers. Um, sort of laser oh. sails, basically. And the idea is that if we can get there quicker and get an answer on whether it's habitable, that's enough to get us started making essentially a colony fleet, right? That's my interpretation. So basically, yeah, I could write this story. Yeah, 
the, the theme that was echoed throughout this article, and we mentioned you found with your article, was that we need a singular focus and we don't have it. However, I suspect some of the problems are intellectual stagnation from our government with regard to like NASA and stuff. I mean, we haven't progressed much from the tech that helped us stage the moon landing in the 70s and 60s. Um, okay, right. that's a joke, people. Uh, and that well, needs to change. We've made incremental progress. But not significant but nothing because right. the focus changed from, from stars to um, being about diplomacy and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get on a political rant if I keep going. But, like, our focus changed from the science, I suspect. And yep. that they, was it. They scuttled. That was from the top they, down they, on both parties. Right. So they they scuttled our ability to to keep moving forward. I mean, now we hitch rides with the Russians to get to the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. So every time I see ISS, which is why I set it out, I keep thinking ISIS, and I'm like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank goodness. Um, but jokes aside, the main oh, thrust wouldn't that be a story? Yeah, uh, jokes aside, though, the main <laughs> thrust of this article is right to a point. But things are in the public consciousness in ways that they could have only dreamed of, of dreamed of a decade ago. So I really do hope that we can sort of push outward. What's the um, um, crowdsourcing, I think it's going to make a huge difference. Like that SETI thing that you do, um, yep. and all of that, like that's, I think going to be the wave of the future. Yep. And I'm hoping Bezos and, and Musk can reignite the space race. So I'm hoping other people do it. I'm hoping NASA gets on board. Um, there'll probably be a huge legal battle, which will make it even more popular. Nobody will win except humanity. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. All right. Well, that brings this show to a close. I did not expect to get a full hour, but uh, before we let you go, dear listener, let Chris tell you how you can find us. So our website is www.sfshenanigans.com. Our Twitter handle is at SFS, that's Sierra Foxtrot Sierra underscore show. Our email is podcast at sfshenanigans.com. And our Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash sfshenanigans. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Chris Winder, I'm J.R. Hanley, and this was the Sci-Fi Shenanigans Podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of space and all things that go boom. All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that uh, archived episode that was in the... uh, in the digital memory hole that we found. We thought you'd enjoy it. So thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the archive for the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back at our regular scheduled time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom.